Welcome, welcome. This is Scott, creator and host of Woke Societies, here to drop another episode of amazing content. How is everybody feeling today on this cold, wintry December 15th? I'm feeling fantastic. I'm officially, finally, over this cold 100%. This one just lingered. I definitely have what was called a spiritual flu. Uh, We can get into that at a later time. But I'm feeling fantastic, and I cannot wait to do this episode with you guys. So before we jump into Project Pegasus and the Chronovisor, I'm going to do the daily essentials here, guys. Again, subscribe to my channel here at Woke Societies on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, like, share, tell your friends and family about it. If you can't find me on YouTube or you're on the go, go to Buzzsprout. You can find me, not even Buzzsprout, just podcasting in general on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio. You guys can find my backup channel here on BitChute. And, of course, you guys can always go and check out my new brand new spanking website that has every link and possible avenue where you guys where you guys can find my content that is on there and guys there's many there's over 10 just right here and for everyone who sent me their email um thank you you guys can put your email address right in there to subscribe to my newsletter that i'm going to be creating very shortly and that's just a way for us to stay in contact in case um, i am deplatformed on any big tech platform so there you go, guys. You have no excuses not to be able to find my content now. Absolutely none. So before I get into the content, I want to show you guys something just real quick. It's not a huge deal. Um, but you guys, the, well, for the ones that did watch my video about Zero Point Energy, um, the very last episode I did, I got an email from YouTube saying there was a copyright, something with copyright, but it wasn't a strike. So I'm like, that is very interesting so what could this be it's kind of hard to see on my screen here because i have the black light turned on but essentially what youtube was telling me is that because i used a video from an, uh, another youtube video which i've done this multiple times i've never had an issue with it before i've always given credit to the content creator whatever i thought maybe it was music had nothing to do with music um it's saying because for whatever reason this part of the video that i took um from the guy who made his water fuel cell. You guys can see here, it says select an action. It says video cannot be monetized. And it says select action, and it wants me to cut the two minutes of the video. I'm like, okay, so I go back and I see what part of the video that YouTube wants me to not put out there. And it's literally, the man that made this invention, the zero point energy with the water with the water fuel, and it's showing how he created it and how the device worked. And in none of the other parts of the videos, it shows the an actual machine working. It's me describing zero point energy that's been created, supposedly created. And this particular part, YouTube did not like that I was showing the footage from this other YouTube video of how this man created this water cell, which was a zero-point energy device, and wanted me to cut that out to be monetized. Now, I don't make, I, I barely make any money off of YouTube. I am monetized. I make some money off of it, but it's not an overwhelming amount where I could just quit my job. That's where I'm, that's where I'm heading to, so I can do this full-time. But either way, I thought it was very odd that YouTube would ask me to take out those two minutes 
And I've never been asked this before. I've been doing this over six months now. I've used other people's YouTube videos, giving them shout outs, let them know, you know, give them the credit. I've never had copyright issues, but they wanted to censor this part of this water fuel cell. Very interesting. Very interesting. So just want to show you guys that real quick. We are definitely being suppressed in multiple, multiple ways. So just thought that was very interesting to show you guys that. All right. So what are we going to get into today? Today we're going to be talking about Project Pegasus. And you guys will have to excuse my son. We got him a whole bunch of new Christmas toys early. So just bear with me on that. So we're going to be talking about Project uh, Pegasus and the Chronovisor today. So what we're gonna get into first is the mission statement that I found into what Project Pegasus was, and let me read that first. So Project Pegasus is a quest begun in 1968 by Andrew D. Bazzaggio when he was serving as a child participant in the US Time Space Exploration Program, Project Pegasus. Project Pegasus was the classified defense-related research and development program under the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, in which the U.S. defense technical community achieved time travel on behalf of the U.S. government, which they call the Real Philadelphia Experiment. Project Pegasus was launched by the U.S. government to perform remote sensing in time so that reliable information about past and future events could be, could be provided to the U.S. president, intelligence community, and military. It was expected that the 140 American school children secretly enrolled in Project Pegasus would continue to be involved in time travel when they grew up and went on to serve as America's first generation of chrononauts. The children found, however, that in the process of serving as child time travelers attached to Project Pegasus, they became America's time-space pioneers. Can you guys imagine being a child seven years old being able to travel in time? That's just so fascinating to me. Andy was the first American child to teleport and one of America's early time space explorers, as will be told in his soon-to-be-published book, Once Upon a Time in the Time Stream, My Adventures in Project Pegasus at the Dawn of the Time Space Age. That is a long title. In 1968, he resolved to one day to tell the true story of his time travel experiences in Project Pegasus and revealed to the world that the U.S. government had made a secret and had made a secret Teleportation, teleportation technology that it made public would revolutionize transportation across the face of our planet. Today, Andy serves as the team leader of the new Project Pegasus, the only group in the world that is lobbying the U.S. government to declassify its time travel secrets. All right, guys, so we're going to get into a lot more of this Andrew guy. Um, he's the, there's only a few handful, apparently, that I could find on Project Pegasus that were whistleblowers they would give any kind of information on any any of this technology and guys the only the, this is this might be the last part in this uh, beyond looking glass series we're going to get into other projects and technologies um, at later dates for sure i just wanted to do this one because it does tie into actual time travel and i do discuss in project looking glass there is a delineation there um, project looking glass wasn't a time machine project pegasus was where when people hear time machines, they think about going to a certain point in time, back and forth in the future, actually popping up and showing there. If you guys watch my Project Looking Glass, I show exactly what that was about and what that technology was for. So Project Pegasus is actually going through a gate and you appear in that time period. So this is what it was for. And 
the first programs, they use children. And I always wondered why they use children for a lot of these programs and the space programs. And it's, again, because their children's minds are very unbiased. They have... It, it's like if you wanted to train a perfect employee for your job and you knew that person was going to stay with you their entire lives, you would probably take them on as a young age so they don't have old habits, certain ways of thinking. Their mind is still super impressionable. So this is why they would always use children. And according to this, Andrew was seven years old when he was indoctrinated into this program to time travel. So let's start here. So Project Pegasus, this was this is from a blog uh, on newearth.media. Project Pegasus is a quest that began in 1968 as Andrew was serving as a child participant in the US Time Space Exploration Program. Project Pegasus was a classified defense-related research and development program, which we knew came under DARPA. The children found, however, that in the process of serving as child time travelers attached to Project Pegasus, they became America's time space pioneers. And in 1968, Andrew said he resolved to one day tell the story of his time travel experiences in Project Pegasus and reveal to the world that the U.S. government had made secret teleportation technology. The declassification and deployment of the U.S. government's teleportation capability may also be the most important environmental cause of our time, for it will, for it will prevent billions of tons of pollutants from conventional transport from entering the atmosphere every year. Guys, we're going to get into this picture here. I know you guys can't see it in the podcast, but it's a picture of supposedly Andrew here as a child that was sent back um, in time. I can't remember the exact time, but we're going to get into it. But at the time, he said he was he didn't he he transported and he didn't have shoes, so he was in a group of people and he was given by a, a random you know good Samaritan a man's shoes, and you could see here that this child here. This is Andrew. This is claiming to be Andrew. Yeah, you can tell he has huge shoes. I'm going to show a better picture of this later on. But this is him here. So Andrew said he experienced eight different time travel technologies during his stint in the program. Mostly he said his travel involved a teleporter based on technical papers supposedly found in pioneering mechanical engineer. Here he is, guys. Nikola Tesla's New York City apartment after his death in January 1943. Guys, I just went into a lot of detail about Nikola Tesla with the zero-point energy in the last episode. He is the man. The machine consisted of two gray elliptical booms about eight feet tall, separated by about 10 feet between which a shimmering curtain of what Tesla called radiant energy was broadcast. Andrew said radiant energy is a form of energy that Tesla discovered that is latent and pervasive in the universe and has among its properties the capacity to bend time-space. Andrew said project participants would jump through this field of radiant energy into a vortal tunnel, and when the tunnel closed, we found ourselves at our destination. One felt either as if one was moving at a great rate of speed or moving not at all, as the universe was wrapped around one's location. Andrew claimed that he can be seen in a photograph of Abraham Lincoln at Gettysburg in 1863, which he said he visited in 1972 via a plasma confinement chamber located in East Hanover, New Jersey. I had been dressed in period clothing as a Union bugle boy, he said. I attracted so much attention at the Lincoln Speech site at Gettysburg wearing oversized men's street shoes that I left the era around the, de the days and walked around 100 paces over to where I wasn't photographed in the Josephine Cog image of Lincoln at Gettysburg, the boy on the left at the photo above. And this is, this is it right here. 
In addition, Andrews said he traveled to Ford's Theater the night of Lincoln's assassination on five or six occasions. I did not, however, witness the assassination, he said. Once I was on the theater level when he was shot, and I heard the shot followed by a great commotion that arose from the crowd. It was terrible to hear. He said each of his visits to the past were different, like they were sending us to slightly different alternative realities on adjacent timelines. Now that sounds like looking glass right there a little bit. As these visits began to accumulate, I twice ran into myself during two different visits. That is crazy. See, I feel like things like that would mess up your timelines, but apparently everything stayed in contact. This business of time travel cannot be easy. Just thinking about it now. And how do these alleged time travels return to the present day or their point of origin? According to Andrew, some sort of holographic technology allowed them to travel both physically and virtually. If we were in the hologram for 15 minutes or fewer, he explained the hologram would collapse and after about 60 seconds of standing in a field of supercharged particles, we would find ourselves back on the stage in the present. Andrew said the technology should only be used for real-time teleportation, nor, not time travel, because it would cause chaos. But as we're going to see, guys, the CIA, including the Vatican, they had other reasons for using this technology, and it wasn't just to travel in the present. Andrew and other... Several others claim to have experienced teleportation through what are called jump rooms and say they have been to Mars. Here's a clip from the Angelic View, which we're going to get into. There are now five Mars jump room whistleblowers who jumped to Mars. Michael C. Ralph, Andrew, Arthur Newman, William Stillings, and Bernard Mendez, a cooperating Mars colony recruit, Laura M. Eisenhower. And we're going to definitely talk about Miss Eisenhower for sure. So he says, imagine a world in which one can jump through a Grand Central teleport in New York City, travel through a tunnel in time space, and emerge several seconds later at Union Teleport in Los Angeles. Such a world has been possible since 1967 to 68. Let that sink in, guys. The 60s, this, this, this technology was already created. When, teleport when teleportation was first achieved by DARPA's Project Pegasus, only to be suppressed ever since as a secret weapon, when my quest, Project Pegasus, succeeds, such a world will emerge and humans, human beings linked by teleportation around the globe will proclaim that the time-space age has begun. So, again, guys, it's, I'm, I'm showing you this for a couple reasons. The main reason is, if this technology was made in the 60s, why has it not come out yet? Well, again, it goes back to fossil fuels and the money. It always goes back to the money and the people that are controlling us. If we were to able to time travel, um, not travel, but even to teleport from to New York to out to out um, Los Angeles within a minute, just imagine how much money that would save time, space, energy. It would it would save on all that, and on top of it, it'd be environmentally so much better for the environment to use technology like this. But again, fossil fuel is a trillion upon trillion dollar industry guys and they don't want us to have it but i'm here to tell you if this technology was around in the 60s imagine what the technology is like now imagine how advanced it is now that is really what i'm getting at all right let's continue so let's get into those jump rooms that this uh, article mentioned and this is from angelic view another blog and guys if you've heard me say in videos before that's I, I laugh because you know NASA is talking about putting colonies on, on on Mars, and if you if you've read other whistleblowers' accounts, especially like Corey Good, they have been saying for a long, long time 
Mars used to be a planet just like Earth. People lived on the surface, and a cataclysm happened. There was warring happened between the two bloodlines on there, and they ultimately destroyed the planet, destroyed Mars' atmosphere. But the beings that did stay on that planet moved to underground, and we're going to see here Andrew's account of beings, humanoid beings, that live inside the planet. And we've heard the other stories, too, about um, Germans, um, German, the German armies back you know, in the 40s. I'm not going to say that works. I don't want to hit YouTube's algorithms, but we knew there was German armies from the World War II era. We all know what, what they were called. And we've heard, we've heard the stories of them colonizing Mars as well because they had spacecraft like submarines to get to Mars. They used it. They had it. They got it from the Draco. I know this all sounds crazy, but this stuff exists, guys. So this is the account that he had, um, Andrew's account, that he worked for the CIA and used these jump rooms to get to Mars. There's a man whose name is Andrew who claims that he went, that when he was a child, he was part of a CIA program which went to Mars via a jump room. This was termed Project Pegasus. He says he would literally walk into a building in California, then into what looked like an elevator, and walk out on Mars. Interestingly, there are other people out there who claim that they too were part of the same program. Now there is a picture of what appears to be a head that has surfaced that he says is a Martian head. That's not all. Included in his claims are that Barack Obama, the, po the president at the time, was with him on some of these missions to Mars. As of yet, Andrew had not any has not had any financial gain from these claims, no book. Although he does have a couple of books coming out soon, he says because he wants this all out in the open when he runs for president in 2016. By then, he says hopefully more people will publicly come out and, and collaborate his story, and potentially even Barack Obama himself. Unfortunately, I don't know what year this article was written, but guess what? Barack Obama ain't coming about nothing because he's going to be in Gitmo um, probably in the near future. He describes the types of people that are living on Mars, mainly underground, about a million of them. He also talks about the Martian landscape in detail about that Mars was like much like Earth a long time ago before a cataclysm hit the planet. And guys, if you go on Gaia and you look up Cosmic Disclosure, there is a mini-series of when Corey Good went on missions in the secret space programs to Mars, and he talked about slave colonies on Mars. And there are people just like us. There's other humanoids there. And he has described slave colonies in the, in the planet underground. And from what I'm reading here and researching here, Andrew's mission was to collect artifacts from Mars. And I've even told you guys before, when people realize that there's things such as pyramids on Mars, that what is that going to tell the public? Because there's pyramids on Earth as well. I've been saying for a long time, I believe the pyramids were used as stargates and means of travel. I really believe that. And the ancient Egyptians were on to a lot of things that were hidden, and I believe a lot of those manuscripts are hidden in the Vatican because... The Romans got to them, and they kept those manuscripts. Just my humble opinion. But as the article continues, the U.S. Intelligence Committee was going forward in time to retrieve and bring back scientifically and culturally significant artifacts from Mars. And according to Andrew, an elevator in that building would morph from a box into a cylinder, and then passengers could step out onto the surface of Mars. He claimed to have interacted with Martians and been taken to their underground civilizations where he was taught about the various Martian typologies, Andrew identified the figure in the Martian head photo as Homo 
Maris Maris, a humanoid species indigenous to the planet with an elongated head, a bulbous crown, pointy ears, and spindly body. He created he credited photo analysis Patricia uh, Barrancos of Argentina with finding the head and suggested his uh, corroborative data of the CIA's Mars jump rope program and his claims that Mars is inhabited. So guys, I, always, I just wonder what NASA, because they're tr trying to pitch this whole colonize, um, let's colonize Mars. It's like, do they really not know about everything that's going on? Or have, they been keep, have they been kept in secret? Or do they know what's going on? And this is just one huge psyop to get the, to get the masses behind going to Mars and pretending that we were colonizing it. But yet, we've been doing this since the 60s. And, be, and because everything's underground, everyone thinks there's nothing going on that planet. It's just a huge desert. But what about the history of the planet? They talk about these beings having elongated skulls, and that is a whole other topic. Because when you look at ancient Egyptians, a lot of them had these elongated skulls. And I believe these were ancestors... Because, again, I, I, I told you before, there was two bloodlines warring in Mars. And it caused a catastrophe. And the ones that were trying to get off the planet, both these bloodline families ended up on Earth and coexisted on Earth. And we can see the history with these elongated skulls in the Egyptians. And it's not just the Egyptians. It's many other cultures that we found in, in the ancient world. Just super interesting stuff. But this, according to Andrew... He was able to go through this elevator, and the next he stepped out of it, he's on Mars. And Corey Good has talked about the same exact technology of where he would feel like he'd be he's in an elevator, and he'd feel like a shift in energy, barely a movement, and the next thing you know, he's on a different planet. The same kind of technology. It's just mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. So I want to go back to Lauren Eisenhower. And yes, she is a direct descendant of President Dwight Eisenhower, who I've talked to, who, was, who came up in my video of the Orion Cube. She was actually attempted to be indoctrinated into a Mars program. So let's take a look. <coughs> so she claims from April 2006 to January 2007, she and a friend were the targets of a covert recruitment effort to be taken to a future Mars colony to escape imminent um, catastro catastrophic Earth events. Now, you guys have to remember, this is 2006-2007. A lot of people believe 2012 was going to be the end of our world, according to the Mayan calendar. A lot of elites will believe that, too. Lauren Eisenhower says that de despite her repeated refusals, she was subjected to, a di to different forms of pressure by individuals associated with the Mars colony project, the head of which she claimed was famed physicist Dr. Hal Puthoff. And according to Eisenhower's testimony, which appears in interviews in an extensive online report released in February 2010, the planned Mars colony needed her and others to see the colony which would survive their pre predicted cataclysms. She became romantically involved with an Agent X, who she's protecting his identity in April 2006, who was the key intermediary in the recruitment effort. Agent X was closely associated with Putoff's Earth Tech International, as Eisenhower explained, regarding the group... Agent X mentioned he believed that he had joined a sort of think tank, an investigative group, which was also working on creating a mission to Mars. He kept telling me of the cataclysms that were coming and that this was something we were special to be involved in. Eisenhower says that her family bloodline and metaphysical connection to a Christ Sophia archetype of feminine energy. That's a lot of words there, guys. And I've seen interviews with, with Lauren before, so I know what she's talking about. 
If you guys don't know Lauren Eisenhower, just go right on YouTube. She's had interviews with um, Edge of Wonder, Corey Good. She is amazing. She has access to information because of her. She's a direct descendant of the present Eisenhower, who we know from my previous videos has had contact with ETs and made deals with ETs and received technology from them. She is a great resource for information. So because of this connection, this made her and her young twin sons highly desirable recruits for the launch of the future Mars colony. And it goes more and more into her story, but I just wanted to show you this, guys. There's more than one person that has stated that there are ways to get to Mars without actually even flying there. You go through these portals. You go through these elevators, and you end up on a planet. And it's, if, it can be, if it can be done to Mars, guys, it can be done in any galaxy, um, solar system, whatever have you. This technology has already existed since the 60s, and that is what I'm trying to get across. It exists. I'm trying to open your guys' minds. If this technology exists. What 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 is the technology capable of now? So just a little bit more on Pegasus. So again, according to Andrew, children were recruited, but we knew that. Um, uh, Andrew claims there were several time travel devices at work. The majority of his temporal adventures can be attributed, again, to Nikola Tesla. And I just wanted to bring this article up, guys, because this shows more of a better picture of the one I showed you before. This is Andrew again. I believe this is at the Gettysburg Address. And you can see the shoes are quite large. And this is the photo that Andrew says was taken of him as proof that he did go back in time. And this was him in the 1800s. Yes, this was at the Gettysburg in November 19th, 1863. And again, he brings up his trip to Mars. He utilized the aforementioned jump room to teleport to the Red Planet with the express mission of acting as an ambassador to the Martian civilization. And again, he brings up Obama, which was surprising to see. And during his escapades to the Red Planet, he claims he encountered many extraordinary things, not the least of which were towering, towering dinosaurs and what he described as humanoid scorpion men. Indeed, to hear Basagio tell it, Project Pegasus revealed Mars to be an extraordinary and dangerous place. Extremely, extremely interesting. So let's tie this into the chronovisor. This is the second part that I want to get into in this episode. And it's all linked together. So while most scientists say that time that a time travel is not possible, we know Andrew, a lawyer now in Vancouver, Washington State, claims to have done it a dozen times, taking part in the secret project called Pegasus by government of the United States. The Pegasus Project continued the findings of what is called the Chronovisor, which was invented in the 1950s by a team of 12 scientists gathered around an Italian monk, Pellegrino Ernetti, who is also a brilliant scholar, quantum physics special specialist. Enrico Fermi, as well as Wernhard von Braun, father of the U.S. space programs, also took part in this program. So you've got some big heavy hitters, guys, that's involved with these programs. The chronovisor, which the Vatican, let me say that again, the chronovisor, which the Vatican sought to maintain in the, in the greatest secret is a device that by residents captures the remaining superior harmonic frequencies of any event that has taken place in the past. These harmonics never completely disappear, but remain in a superior, superior dimension of reality known as Akasha Tattva in Oriental Esoteric Science as kind of an echo. These frequencies are covered, converted by a special device thus reconstituting the images and sounds 
of an event that took place even hundreds or thousands of years ago. Research on the chronovisor was continued by the defense DARPA scientists who added new discoveries derived primarily from reverse engineering alien technology. So here we go again, guys. This is another version of technology that is used to view events in time. The chronovisor is particularly used to look at events in the past, not the future. And the technology uses frequencies that are taken. It accesses a dimension. It says a superior dimension of reality where any event, because every, you guys have to remember everything, we, all, all, we are all frequencies, everything in the university universe is frequency energy and when events happen it kind of makes a time stamp and these stamps are saved in this dimension and the chronovisor is able to access this dimension and actually able to project the frequencies into images and sounds on like this tv screen really cool stuff but when i saw this i was like what how did the vatican get involved why is the vatican even involved in any of this right so let's let's di let's dip uh, dig into this a little bit. So according to the French priest and paranormal author Francis Bruin, the chronovisor was a device owned by the Vatican, which allowed people to view events in the past or future. Bruin's 2002 book, The Vatican's New Mystery, alleges that the chronovisor was built by Italian scientists in the 50s, Father Pellegrino, along with 12 world-renowned scientists. Among the scientists named by Father Nerdy were Nobel laureate. And physicist Enrico Fermi and rocket scientist Wormer von Braun. If you guys know some of these names, these were some of the names also involved in the Manhattan Project that built the nuclear bombs. Very interesting. The chronovisor has been described as a large cabinet with antenna made from alloys of unknown metals, a connected cathode ray tube, and a control panel of buttons and levers. According to the Vatican's new mystery, Father Nerdy claimed that the chronovisor could be programmed to view and record specific times, locations, and even people in the past or future. Father Nerdy further claimed that the chronovisor function, functioned by processing electromagnetic radiation residue from past events. Nerdy uh, purported to have personally seen a number of important historical events with the chronovisor, the most notable being the crucif uh, crucifixion of Christ. And in 1972, the May issue of Italian weekly news magazine La Domenica Corriar published a photo depicting the crucifixion and claimed that it had been taken with the chronovisor. Hernetti denied this, citing the photo's clarity and proximity as uncharacteristic of the chronovisor's photographic capabilities. The photo later revealed to be strikingly similar to a reverse image of the wood carving by sculptor Colat Valera. And we're going to see the image in just a moment. So again, I wanted to keep digging into how the Vatican got involved with this. And if Vatican was involved with this, you know they had some links to the CIA. So when asked about it, this is an article on unmuseum.org. When asked about it, further Neri described a device he called the chronovisor that looked a bit like a television. Instead of receiving broadcasts from local transmission stations, however, the chronovisor could tune into the past to allow the viewer to see and hear events that had occurred years or even centuries earlier. Ernetti told Bruin that the machine worked by detecting all the sights and sounds that humanity had made that still floated through space. Bruin wanted to know if Ernetti and his collaborators had been able to see the crucifixion of Christ, and he replied, we saw everything, the agony in the garden, the betrayal of Judas, the trial, Calvary. 
So who is this team of scientists? That's what I really wanted to find out, and we find out right here. So how did the priest get a hold of such a fantastic machine? According to what he told Brun, he had been working with Father Agostino Gamelli at the Catholic University of Milan trying to filter harmonics out of a Gregorian chance that when they heard the voice of Gamelli's late father speaking to them on the wire recorder they were using, Gamelli late, later confirmed this incident. This got the priest thinking about what would happen to all the sights and sounds humans make. So apparently he was hearing sounds from an old ancestor that he was he heard him talking. And they're like, if we can hear sounds from ancestors, maybe we could hear sounds from other people and even past events. So this is what got them down this path. So this got the priest thinking about what happened to all the sights and sounds. Did they disappear completely or do they continue to exist in some way? Ernetti approached some eminent scientist and assembled a team to work on the project. The group included included Enrico Fermi, one of the designers of the first atomic bomb, and Werner von Braun, the German rocket scientist. So this is how they formed. So these were they were associate priests to the Catholic Church, but they were also scientists. The team built the chronovisor so it could tune into any time or place. They observed not only the crucifixion of Christ, but French conqueror Napoleon, the Roman philosopher Cicero, and the play Th uh, Thyestes by the Roman po uh, poet Quintus Ennius. Brun was astonished that he had not heard of the invention of this device. Why hide such, such a discovery, he asked. Father Ernetti replied that the team had decided to voluntarily dismantle the device. Since it could tune into any place at any time in the past, it left no room for privacy. In the wrong hands, Ernetti said it could create the most fearsome dictatorship the world has ever seen. And I don't, I don't doubt it. Because I, I myself believe this technology exists. I believe that advanced variations of all these technologies still exist so i could see why in the 50s you know with communism that something like this would be dismantled but i don't think it was it was just passed along um through the vatican and kept secret so this is some of the proof that is being described that this chronovisor existed apparently this play uh, thyestes that was written um only parts of it could be i guess translated and it says here Aeneas is sometimes called the father of latin poetry and over the course of his lifetime he wrote about 20 plays in an epic poem on the history of rome called annals only if only a few fragments of his work survived so apparently um let me see what was his name ernetti went back in time found the scholar and wrote down the play and came back and showed it and this is a lot of people are saying it's BS. Some people say it's authentic. Who really knows? But the other one was this picture here taken by the chronovisor of Christ. And this is the photo here. This is the one they were describing. And who knows? Either way, from what we know, looking glass, this nothing, not, none of this stuff surprised me. I believe all of it's real. And really, just a side note, I thought this was really cool because it gives kind of a background into what vibrations this the chronovisor was translating. It's called paleoacoustics, and trying to gather the remnants of electromagnetic, electromagnetic waves left over in the environment and reassemble them into a coherent images seems an overwhelming, an overwhelming task, even with the most advanced tech, uh, computers. Sometime, some scientists have speculated, however, that we may find past sounds preserved in the environment. They're even given the speculative branch of science named paleoacoustic. The idea is that sound waves might have been recorded and preserved by accident 
One possible way this could happen would be during the creation of pottery. In theory, a clay vessel spun on a potter's wheel and given a spiral pattern with the stylus would act like a primitive phonograph. On early phonographs, sounds were preserved by using a tin or later wax cylinder spun with a needle, etching a spiral groove down the surface of the cylinder. The needle would pick up sounds, waves, and etch the vibrations into the grooves. When the needle traveled down the groove a second time, the effect would reverse itself and the needle would vibrate playing back the recorded sound. Super cool stuff, guys. Very cool. So again, this is the idea that any time event is recorded somewhere out in space in a different dimension, and this chronovisor would have access to it and able to translate it. Really cool stuff. But the last thing I want to show you guys is this. The CIA, this is from Express.co. This was from March 13, 2017. It says the article is the CIA secret weapon WikiLeaks didn't reveal a time machine it caught from the Vatican. So surprise, surprise, guys. The Vatican and the CIA working hand in hand. And the article reads, following last week's bombshell claims by WikiLeaks that the CIA has the tools to hack into smartphones and even TVs, to listen to conversations, an author has claimed it has much more sophisticated devices which can travel through space and time. Author Alfred Lambert, who has penned a number of books on time travel, told Daily Star Online that this leaked WikiLeaks information does not include the space programs that permit humans to travel backwards and forwards in time. He claims the Vatican provided the technology known as quantum access to the CIA as far back as the 1960s. He said quantum access are deep secrets of the sort that WikiLeaks has not to date chosen to access and reveal. He claims the Vatican has a time seer machine which can access traces left by past events and view scenes from history. And apparently it is made up of, of a screen with tuning dials and is called a chronovisor. The author says it is not as sophisticated as to allow a user to step into history but displays the events or screen as if they have been recorded. Mr. Weber alleged that the Vatican has allowed only trusted states to have this technology, including the CIA, which he said the Vatican helped found, and is the Jesuit Secret Service. He said what the Vatican did is they subcontracted the, te the technology and gave it to the U.S. Pentagon and CIA starting in the late 60s. Unbelievable. The CIA immediately saw they could use it for political purposes. They set up a program in the late 60s to gain knowledge about the political future. He says it can also look into the future and is used to reveal future presidents, such as Donald Trump, in advance so they can be groomed for the job. Mr. Weber suspects it will be, it'll also have been given to the British Secret Services. So guys, here we have another example of the Vatican, the Catholic Church, working with the CIA. We all know their connections. We all know how corrupt the Catholic Church is. And they subcontracted this technology out because essentially their priests who were into quantum physics were the ones that created this, so they were the ones that had access to it. And they basically rented it out to make money. What a surprise, right? And obviously technology that could be used to look into past events is obviously um, very desirable to the CIA, Deep State, whoever, whoever wants to rent it out. So I found that very interesting. And this is the connection that I found with the Vatican and this chronovisor. So I thought that was super cool. So I want to know what you guys think. Again, this is a technology that I wanted to show. This was a huge series of um, technologies and projects that I wanted to get into to further reveal 
um, some things you guys might not know known about. So I want to know what you guys think of Project Pegasus and this Chronovisor. If there's any other information that you guys know about it, please uh, send me an email, drop it in the comments. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think of the content. So with that, guys, please, again, submit to the channel, subscribe, like, tell all your friends and family about it. I'm always available if you guys have questions, whatever you guys want to talk about, I am here. Go to my podcast, check out my website. Um, I'll have everything up today. Subscribe on the podcast, however you guys want to listen, and let me know what you guys think. So with that, thank you all for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and until then, stay woke.